it may not sound the way that you want it to sound, but something has to happen. So same ideas in the gym. It may not happen the way that you want it to happen, but you have to try it and you have to literally fall, get back up and try it again. Welcome back to the Freedom Stories podcast, where last month we had an inspirational story through Meredith and her journey through cancer. And this month we have an exceptionally amazing individual in Elizabeth. We are so glad that she is with us. She has a traumatic experience that has led into a lot of hard work that has allowed for her to be where she is today. Can't wait for you to hear her story. Here's Elizabeth. Welcome, Elizabeth Berger, to the Freedom Stories podcast. We are so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I don't often say this, but I sure wish that this one today, we could have all the cameras so everyone <laughs> could see what we're working through. Because the reality is, is you are a ray of bright light. That's and ever so since you've come in here, you have been such a joy to have. And uh, again, we're just so thankful that you would take time out of your day to come and be with us. Thank and you. You are a music teacher, correct? I am. I'm an opera singer and a voice teacher. Okay. And yeah. do you do individual lessons or are you doing classes? So I teach individual lessons and I sing independently. And I'm also now the orchestra director at Barstow. That oh. is new as of two weeks ago. Congratulations. Thank you. So you didn't have school today. I did not. I'm only there a couple days a week. All right. I'm not skipping school. Good. Okay. That's okay <laughs> if you are. We appreciate that you're here. So tell me a little bit more about why you came to Freedom. So the story goes back a little ways. I was, um, I was getting ready to do some headshots. This was in 2019, June of 2019, June 24th, actually. So I was getting ready to meet a photographer who was in town for 24 hours. And I took a bunch of looks in a laundry basket. And I went up to Liberty Memorial. It had some looks in there. It had some a hairbrush and a mirror and all the things that you would need to change during a headshot session. And I went up the steps to Liberty Memorial and some of the planks were not completely flush up against each other and it was the slabs that have little pebbles in them. So my foot went into one of the slabs of concrete and I fell right on my knees mm. and I twisted my ankle and fell. Sweet couple saw me fall and the photographer hadn't been there yet. So all of my stuff went flying all over the steps at Liberty Memorial. And I was gathering all of my, actually they were gathering my things. I was still, I fell face first, thankfully didn't hit my face as the photographer was coming up the ramp. So I literally shook his hand from the floor. I was on the floor, all things sprawled out and you know, good to see you again, good friend of mine. And then I hobbled around and did a three hour headshot session. Mm. So we hobbled around. He had actually recently injured his knee right before he got back to town. <clears throat> so we hobbled around downtown. I walked on it for three hours. Didn't know it was broken because I had never broken anything. Mm -hmm. And I had no frame of reference for pain. I thought, all right, I just twisted my ankle. I'll just shake it off, keep going. And hobbled around in massive pain. And every time he tried to get me to smile, I had to just collect myself to get a presentable face for a headshot and just kind of switched my face for the camera and then continued to hobble around in pain for several hours. 
I met a friend of mine for uh, dinner afterwards and I parked around the corner from the restaurant, called my best friend and I said, hey, how do you know if something's broken? She said, oh, it's, I'm sure you're fine. It's, I'm sure it's nothing. You wouldn't be able to put weight on it. And I said, huh, that's funny. You should say that because I really kind of can't. So I sat in my car less than half a block from the restaurant and I thought, I have no idea how I'm going to get from this car into that restaurant. Had so much pain, had no painkillers or anything with me. I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan anyway, but I had no way to take care of that. So I just kind of hobbled in. I ordered a drink from the bar and then I looked at him and he said, can I get you anything else? I said, do you have a bag of ice? And he said, are you asking for a bag of ice from the bar? I said, I really am. Like a big, <laughs> big bag of ice would be great. So he got me a bag of ice. I elevated my foot while we were having dinner, drove home painfully, went to the doctor the next day. <clears throat> he took some x-rays and he said, you did good, kid. I said, okay, great. No problem. And he said, no, no, you broke it good. And I thought, all right, well, okay. He said, no, no weight on your foot. So he put me in a boot and a knee scooter. The hardest part about being in the knee scooter is that I had fallen straight onto my knee. Mm. So he said, it's really good that you fell the way that you did because you could have shattered your kneecap. And I did not, thankfully. But um, I was in the knee scooter and the boot nonstop for 12 weeks. Slept in the boot. No reprieve except to get out of the shower, which was a heck of a thing to negotiate. So in the shower, out of the shower, and then boot all the time. And when the headshots came back, good friend of mine, Daniel Welch is an awesome photographer, but I'm honestly surprised he got anything out of me at all because all I saw on my face was pain. So when he sent me the proofs, I, I just kind of clicked through and I went, nope, 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 nope. Like I just, I couldn't stand to look at what was happening on my face. And so he did some editing and I'm really surprised that he got anything useful out of them at all. They're, they're nice. They're I can still see the trauma in my face, but they're, they're great. So I did some, um, I went to go see a physical therapist at that time who adjusted me into the knee scooter to make sure that my hips would stay aligned while I was still doing both of those things, the knee scooter and the boot. And this was within the 12 weeks. This, yes. As soon as I got the knee scooter, I went in just to make sure that my hips were aligned in the scooter so that I could at least sleep correctly and walk without being off kilter. I have newfound respect for people in a knee scooter. It's a lot of balance. Any, any slight um, incline of any kind, up or down, very difficult to negotiate. And even the little cement blocks that have the little stoppers on them, super hard to negotiate. All of it. It was just... Everything was much harder than I thought it would ever have to be. Uh, I sat the first day in the shower and I just cried. I was like, this is it. This is, this is how I'm going to die. This is, I can't, well, I can't do anything. Like I can't, I can't sit at the piano because they were afraid of, you know, my foot being down or my foot being up. And it was either blood clots or it was, I was putting too much weight on it. So I couldn't do any of my normal activities and everything, including sleeping was a struggle because trying to navigate sleeping in a boot is is quite something so that was something to negotiate so that and was four years ago that was four years ago what's the journey been like for the last four years because so, that was three months of your life with the yeah. boot and i had a podiatrist that x-rayed every three weeks to make sure that it was healing correctly everybody said no surgery needed so once i got freed um once i got cleared for physical therapy i started physical therapy 
with someone and we did okay for a few weeks, but I wasn't making the kind of progress that I wanted to be making. So I just kind of pushed through it, honestly, for a good couple of years. And I did the things that I thought I knew how to do. I got back into a somewhat regular exercise routine. It wasn't great because I wasn't, I didn't have the flexibility. I didn't have the mobility. I was still um, limping, if not waddling all the time. And so then my father got sick and um, while he was bedridden on hospice, I was doing a lot of lifting of him. And so I tweaked my back and there was a lot of twisting and all sorts of things that come with being a caretaker. So I went to go see a chiropractor who started aligning all of my things, started helping me with my back. And then we started dealing with the ankle and she did her own set of x-rays. And she said, did you know that there's a secondary break? And I said, no, I did not. She said, it has healed, but it's no wonder that you're not healing and working the way that you want to because there's no way you could. So once she got a few fundamental things aligned, she said, I have done everything that I know how to do for you at this juncture. I think here's who you need to go see. And so she came to Freedom and she said, I've talked to the guys. I've seen what I need to see. This is the place that you need to go. So I came in and I talked to Dr. Tim and he sat me down right on this table and he said, what are your goals? I said, I want to walk across the room without crying. And he said, okay. And I said, that's it. Low bar for me. I just want to walk across the room without having to think about it and cry about it all the time. I don't want to limp. I don't want to waddle. I just want to walk across a room. And he said, no problem. We can do that by your birthday. And I kind of wanted to laugh because I think that was in January. And I thought, a birthday's in April. I thought, there's no way. Like everyone says they want to be the guy to fix it. And I thought. Because it had been three years at that point. Yeah, almost three and a half years. It was crazy. And I wasn't in constant pain, thankfully. But the chiropractor had put me into an ankle brace to start stabilizing some of the muscles. And it became so stiff that when I came in to see Dr. Tim, I had no flexibility in my ankle whatsoever. So we started with some stretching things and he took me out of the brace and he said, you can start putting some weight on it and doing some stretches. And that's what the first several visits were. And I thought, okay, well, this is as far as he's going to push me. This isn't really gonna do anything, but let's just see what happens. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I can stretch it on my own. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, well, we'll just, we'll start there. And then we finally started on a bike and I thought, Oh dear, now he's going to make me exercise. Now he's actually going to make me do things. And the progress has been beyond my dreams, truly. I mean, I can certainly walk across a room without crying. And now I've gotten up to, one day I remember I came in and I said, I think I walked accidentally two and a half miles last night. And he said, how did that go? And I said, well, it was slow, but it was constant. I mean, I stopped every couple of blocks to just kind of double check how I was feeling, make sure nothing was hurting. If I needed to sit down, I would, but um, I didn't expect to walk two and a half miles for sure. And it was uphill and downhill and downhill is still difficult to negotiate. And then he put me on a, an aerobic step going up and down, which I still hate, mm -hmm. but he still makes me do it. And it's it's been a lot of physical progress, but the mental capacity to be able to endure that kind of pain again has been the most overwhelming thing, truly. Tell me more about that. What does that mean? I really didn't think I would be able to navigate 
getting back on stage, getting back into heels, getting back to being on my feet all day. And it certainly gets achy, but it is possible. It is not, it is not something that I dread. It's something that I'm careful about and I have to plan for it. And I have to know what kind of shoes I'm gonna wear and where I can sit if I need to and how I can take a break if I need to. But I've stood through concerts in the past several months and I sit and take a break if I need to, but now I know the signs of what it feels like to be achy. And I have, you know, feelings that happen in your ankle or wherever it is, but for me it just trauma happens to be in my ankle right now. You learn to figure out how to deal with it if it's happening all the time. But now I've learned to navigate, okay, I can put that feeling with this name. Like he's named what is happening for me. So I come in with odd words like, he'll say, how does it feel? And I'll say, there's a lot of clicking. And he'll go, okay. Like he understood, I'm sure that's not the medical term for it, but he knows what that means. And he can tell me why that's happening and what to do to strengthen that. There's not enough stability there or the, the muscles are just not strong enough or this is happening or that's happening. I obviously don't know that. My specialty is, you know, in the throat, but he can tell me how to associate a feeling with the word and then tell me how to navigate, not fix it, but how to get on the road to fixing it. You had also mentioned the loss of your father in the midst of all this. Yeah. Did that play into more than what it's, you're alluding to? Or did it just hard it's hard to be a caregiver when you can't when you can't move as quickly as you want to, to be of help to the person that needs you the most. Mm. So when you're running from room to room and it's just physically hard for you to get up off the couch and move to the other room when someone is calling your name mm. and towards the end of his life, bless his heart, I used to say, you know, you can't just keep yelling for me. And he's like, I'm so from the other room, he'd say, <laughs> I'm not yelling. <laughs> okay, well, actually. <laughs> but I have no yeah. way to get you. We're just changing the words of what we're yelling, but that's okay. That sounds like me and my wife <laughs> on a daily basis. She's not what you said, it's how you said it. I'm like, okay, all it's right. True. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I side with her. Yeah. <laughs> it's most, just, people, most people do. <laughs> it's just hard. It's just hard when you want when you want to do something so badly and your body just won't cooperate. Mm. It's just super frustrating. All you want to do is walk across the room and your brain is thinking, absolutely, not that far, 30 feet, let's go. And your body is like, you know, I think not. Mm. And so you just stand there and you cry because you don't know what else to do. And you want to go do activities, you want to go to festivals, you want to go to things and you think, sounds like a lot of fun, but I'm just not sure my body's going to be able to do it. So you have to either find ways to navigate it or find ways to avoid it. Mm. Or, you know, you just, you have to figure things out and it, it kind of stinks sometimes. So it hurt me that I was in pain to not be able to do what I needed to do as quickly for him. Mm. Has this ever happened in your career? I mean, I got to think that singers go through this. I want to hit this note, or I want to sound this way, and I have, but now I can't. Yes. Is that, I, I would assume that happens. For sure. So I tell students all the time, if something is not happening the way that you want it to happen, something happen, 
something has to physically change. You can't just keep muscling through it. Mm. You're going to hurt yourself, which is exactly what I was doing. I would walk differently, which is why my hips are out of alignment and my, you know, and my knees are out of alignment. All of it was out of alignment because I would find ways to overcompensate for what was actually hurting. Mm. It's frustrating to be on stage and think, okay, I've done this before. Why isn't it happening now? Unfortunately, when you're on stage, you don't have time to psychoanalyze and figure out exactly what's happening. So you have to have a plan B or you have to commit to plan A no matter what happens. It may not sound the way that you want it to sound, but something has to happen. So same ideas in the gym. It may not happen the way that you want it to happen, but you have to try it and you have to literally fall, get back up and try it again. It is frustrating, but both of them are frustrating, both doing it in a studio or on stage and in a gym. It's the same mental capacity. I tell students and other singers all the time, know this, 95% of singing is getting out of your own head. So if you don't believe that you can do it, then you probably can't. Same idea here. I really thought, I mean, I didn't laugh in Tim's face, but I was like, you're cute. <laughs> yeah. This will be fun for you. Yeah, get some stretches. <laughs> and he just, he looked... Like he just had no doubt whatsoever. And I went, really, mm-hmm. are you sure? Yeah. He said, no, we can get you walking by your birthday. Yeah. What if I were to tell you that 95% of rehab was getting people <laughs> out of their heads? Would you believe me? I, I think I, I, I have no reason not to believe you. I think, I think there has to be a physical yeah. element to it for sure. Yeah. But it's, you have to commit to it. Mm-hmm. You have to commit to it in your head that, either going to do it or you're not. And I was so sick of not doing it that I I had to find a way. I just had to. And I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I knew I had to find a way. I had the same issue in college when I was singing. I had a teacher that said, it's a really good thing you can play the violin. And I thought, no, I know there's a voice in there. I just have to find somebody that can find it for me mm-hmm. or that can help me. It's the same idea. I didn't have in the really deep part of my brain and my heart, I knew I was going to walk, quote unquote, normally again, but I couldn't get me there. And I talked to Dr. Gould and she said, these are the people to help you. And I thought, Okay, well, I mean, I've trusted her to put my back in alignment and my hips and my knees. So somebody has to be able to do this. I can't do it by myself. And I really don't like to admit to not being able to do things by myself. But when you need help, you need help. The hardest part is asking for it. That's right. That's right. Tell, tell me more about that. <laughs> what? It's so hard because nobody's supposed to have all of the answers to everything. Nobody's supposed to have that. That's why I have said for years and years, if everybody did what they were meant to do on this planet, the world would be a much happier place. Mm. We just, we have to know that people are experts in their field for a reason. I don't have to be the expert on all of the things. I don't even necessarily now, because I've been doing it for so long, which sounds backwards, I don't even want to know why he's making me do the things that he's making me do in the gym. I just, just tell me what to do. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to know why you're making go sideways on a step. I don't like doing it, but I will do it if it's going to get me to my end goal. I'm not supposed to be the expert in that. Yeah. I don't go to an expert in singing to help me, you know, with my knife skills in the kitchen. 
I mean, if you have tips and tricks, great, but not one thing works for everybody. So one thing didn't work, another thing didn't work, and here I am at three and a half years going, no, no, something's got to work. Mm. So you go to the people that know how to do it. It's not my job to know, it's his job to know. My job is to trust him that he knows. Mm. And like I said, the first couple of weeks, I thought, maybe it was the first couple of visits, I thought, all right, we're gonna stretch, this will be fun, great, I can move my ankle now, okay, this is fun. Oh, now we have to do hard stuff. And I've gotten to the point where he's training me how to run, which by the way, I despise, but I know it's necessary for me. So my end goal is to be able to do that. So my goal is to do that. His goal is to help me reach my goal. My job is to trust him. Yeah, and you keep saying goals. Goals. Do you think many people have goals? I heard a quote a long time ago that said, goals without steps are just dreams. So you have to set a short-term, a mid-term, and a long-term goal. Sometimes I think it's hard to see little goals leading to the big goal, but I learned a long time ago to keep looking forward and then at some point, several weeks or months down the line to look back and see where you came from and then say, oh, I didn't think I could do this and so now I could probably do more. I think goals are vital because yeah. not everybody has the same goals. Yeah, yeah. Singers don't come to me with the same goals and people that are coming in here that are professional athletes don't have the same goals that I do. Mm -hmm. They have goals that are way more advanced than walk across the room without sure. crying. Sure. So that's great for them. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't want to be on a football field. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. I, I, a quote that changed my life actually is very similar to that. And it's direction, not intention, mm. leads to destination. And that's something yeah. that I've literally lived my life by is in order to get where I want to go, mm -hmm. I literally have to have direction. Yes. Not just intentions. Right. You got to know how to get where you want to go. Yes. And guess what? Sometimes you don't have all the answers of how to get there, you need to find someone to help you. Right. And that's what you were talking about, almost like a guide. Someone's yeah. gonna step alongside you, yeah. who is an expert in paving the way, Right. and they're gonna help you get to that mm -hmm. you know, end goal. Here's where I have started to see things in this industry for the almost 10 years now, 10, 15 years that I've been in this industry. Mm. People don't have goals. It's true. They I was just going to say but that. But they don't have intention. They, they don't have dreams. They don't have goals. We've right. lost that. Yes. They're just walking around aimlessly. Yes. With why? whatever happens. It's, what, it's what's going to happen. Why? What is going on? I, I mean, again, I talked with you earlier before this podcast started, and I said, hey, somewhere along the line, someone in our facility saw you working and mm -hmm. said, she needs to be on this podcast. I think it is because you have goals. You are aiming towards something, and you are relentlessly going after it. I right? try. And, and, and I don't know that we can say that all of our patients, all of our clients have that. What, what is that? That kind of puts an ache in my heart, really, because then it's just kind of flailing around. And I think people sometimes are just waiting for whatever comes their way. Yeah. I, I've always been goal-driven. 
So after every session with Tim, I literally write everything down that he told me. He'll even come out and say, do you have all your notes? He did tell me so, that. He did tell me <laughs> because that. Because otherwise I'll forget. And I know myself well enough to know that if he told me to do these 12 things, these are the things that I need to be able to do. And he said, you know, right now you're at three or four reps. In a month, I want you to be at 10 or 12. And again, I just look at him and go, you're cute. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's not going to yeah. happen. And But I have to work towards that. Otherwise, I'm just aimlessly going, I just want to be able to walk without pain. And I don't really know how to do that. So I just, okay. Or I just, I just want to feel better. Well, what is better? You have to qualify better. Do you want to be stronger? Do you want to be faster? Do you want to be, like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And I think walking around without goals in any industry is just kind of wait and see what comes. I've just never been like that. Yeah. I've, I've fought an uphill battle with the degrees that I've pursued, with the profession that I've pursued, all of it. And this just happens to be my weak spot right now, so I have to fix it. Mm -hmm. So I can't, because I can't just walk around and deal with it. Mm. I don't have enough patience to go, all right, well, I guess I'll just limp for the next 10 or 15 years. Yeah. I legitimately thought I wasn't going to travel again. I wasn't going to be able to walk on cobblestone streets. I wasn't going to be able to step on stage in a costume and costume shoes. I, I legitimately thought that was, I just had to deal with the fact that that was done. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but why? I worked with a life coach a long time ago, um, still work with her every now and then, that says there are no rules. Who says no? Who says why? You don't, you don't, those are the rules that you have inside your head. So you don't like the rule, change the rule. Yeah. I can't deal with no goals. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's just too, for lack of a better term, wishy-washy for me. So at the end of every podcast, I tend to try to find the one thing where I'm like, okay, <laughs> Elizabeth, you are so driven. You are goal oriented. But what if somebody's listening to this, they have ankle pain, they've mm. broken their ankle. But yet at the same time, they're not a professional singer. They're not a, you know, coach that leads others. No. They're just staying at home. It, it stinks. They're, <laughs> they're staying at home, right? Yeah. And maybe they're retired. Mm -hmm. What do you tell them? What, what's, your, what's your... The first thing I would say is I get it. Mm. I get it. Give yourself a grace period of crying it out and being mad at the world. Mm. There's, there's a time and a place for that because you have to make peace with it mm -hmm. and you have to know that that is finite mm -hmm. and then you have to decide to do something about it or let it go because those are really the only two options. Mm. You're either resigning yourself to be less mobile, more pain, deal with pain management um, appointments or deal with pain and the mental fortitude it takes to do something about it. So cry it out, get mad, punch a pillow, and then get off the couch and do something about it. Mm. I've, I've done it. I've cried. I've screamed. Don't recommend that for singers, <laughs> but I did it <laughs> because you just, you have to, you mm. have to make peace with, it's a new reality. You have to go, all right, well, this, this is now what I have to deal with. How do I deal with it? But coming to terms with it is part of the cycle of it. You have to make peace with it and think, all right, well, this is what's happened. I guess this is my new reality. And, you know, I heard a quote a long time ago that said, when you're, when you're well, you think you're never going to get sick. And when you're sick, you think you're never going to get well. So it feels like it's forever. Yeah. It's not. 
It's not. You just have to decide to do something about it. Mm. Absolutely. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a really good word. The only thing I have left. <laughs> you got to sing for us. Oh, no. Come on. I knew it it's 9-13. It is September 13th. September 11th just happened. <sighs> right? So, I mean, in honor of September 11th, I feel like you should sing something patriotic. What do you got? What do you got in mind? Oh, my goodness. You got anything in mind? I don't what? know. I You can sing whatever you want. I just literally was like, what? What could possibly? What do you, well, now he's just throwing me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, it would be a disservice to the podcast, to you, to freedom, to all the listeners if you did not sing for us right now. And I saw you warming up in the lobby. I knew you knew it was coming. <laughs> well, that's just mean. Come on. That's just mean. Oh my goodness. Jose, oh, he stole my. He stole my words. Are you going to sing it with me? Absolutely not. You Absolutely me? not. I started it. You go. Let's go. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming? Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight o'er the ramparts we watched. We're so gallantly streaming, and the rocket's red glare, the boys bursting. Gotta get in that lower register. Gave-proof through the night that our flag was still there. Bring it home. Oh, say does that star-spangled was the first time I've ever I've ever sang in my life. I had a goal. My goal was that I wanted my kids to hear me sing. So maybe someday so they will listen to this and they'll be like, Dad sang? Dad sang well. Because I overcame a fear because I really didn't want to do that. And then you kept pointing at me. I did. And, you and did I it. didn't want to do it. And Conlon's over here. Sorry, Conlon's in here with this. We're getting out of hand here. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on the Freedom Stories podcast. Your story is just so inspiring. Uh, and you yourself are just an amazing individual. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. I really appreciate you. And there you have it. I came out of my comfort zone and sang for all of you who are listening. That was intriguing, exciting, and terrifying all at the same time. But Elizabeth is an expert, and she was able to pull something out of me that I never would have been able to do myself. If you're in the Kansas City area and you need an expert, we are here to help you. Feel free to reach out to us at info at freedompttc.com or follow us on one of our social media outlets. Instagram is at freedompttc and Facebook is Freedom Physical Therapy and Training Center. Remember, subscribe to our podcast so you can get updates on when the next Freedom Stories go live.